Hey everyone, welcome to the Delta Flyers with Tom and Harry as we journey through episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Your two hosts along this journey are myself, Garrett Wong, and my co-host, Mr. Robert Duncan McNeil. And remember, you can get the full version of this podcast by signing up to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash the Delta Flyers. Robbie. Hey, buddy. You remembered to wait and pause. Uh, I did. <laughs> I did. I didn't cut you off. You didn't cut me off. In any That's of your good. intro. Oh, I like so your good. shirt there. Yes, may. Yes, may. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty nifty. Yeah. Pretty graphic and cool. You got yeah. your full merch today. You got Delta Flyers hat. I, I am very much. Yes, ma'am shirt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've got the crew hat from uh, season seven. Yeah. That's what and, I'm rocking. You know, we've gone through so many iterations of this hat. I mean, it's still the same design. It's still a trucker cap, but we we had one, one uh, vendor in the very beginning, and then we switched to another one. We had a foam front one, and now we're back yeah. to cloth again. And we're so it, it's, you know, it's a constantly evolving process where we go through and try different vendors and see what you know works the yeah. best. And so that's a great hat, though. It's, it's a, very it's popular. It's a really great it's, hat. Yeah. Uh, stylish you know yes. it's, it's yes. uh and and for people that that know about star trek mm. when you see it you'll get it but if right. you don't know about star trek it just looks like a cool like, like a cool hat, hat. exactly yeah. that you could wear anywhere yeah. and so the next reiteration of this next version of this hat i'm trying yeah. to get it on richardson brand hat that is the same company that made the voyager brewing company hat that you have Oh, those are nice hats too. Very sturdy. But because of the pandemic, because of what we're dealing with right now, vendors are, they are pulling their hair out, trying to meet demand. Richardson has been out of a black trucker cap for the last nine months. It's just not even there. You can't even, um, you can't even get it. So hopefully when vendors get back up to speed and that that means manufacturers as well right not just the yeah. not just the people that provide the the cast but the ones that make them and then give them to the vendors to sell to uh wholesale uh, is when that gets back up to speed who knows when that will be yeah uh we'll try another cap we'll try the richardsons with the, the uh, world is fire. definitely changing with this pandemic like oh it's my goodness unbelievable how it, it uh, is everything has adapted and everything is uh We've had to, we've all had to change you know, right. our habits and things like that. So yeah. Unprecedented, right? Yes. Yeah. I don't think anybody really is still alive from the Spanish flu. If anyone's alive from the Spanish flu time, they are very old right now. <laughs> they're, like, they're like 122 or something. <laughs> and so yeah. if they were alive, they were infants at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So really no one alive now has really experienced anything, anything like any this. of like anything like this no and that you know if anything if we were to review the pandemic as a whole as an episode like how we review episodes the lesson learned or the theme of the pandemic is learn to adapt yeah right and they always say that about businesses if you don't adapt if you don't you know change with the times you'll get lost or you'll be left behind and your business will fail. And now this is a lesson, not just for businesses, but for everyone worldwide for life period. You've got to learn how to adapt and change. All right. What are we we watching this week? We're watching one, 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 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, right. okay. So this is, uh, this is, uh, the shortest title I think of all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Maybe. I don't think, are there any other three letter single word Voyager episodic titles? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say no. I don't know. Three letters, maybe, but I'm trying to think of a two letter. Well, there's, there's okay. The... Then that would be we, but I don't think there's an episode yes. called we or, so. or what else would you see, say? Or a you? number. Just or a number. number. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Yeah. So this is the shortest one. Shortest title that I can think of. All right. So All let's right, go, let's watch, go it. watch it. Let's mm-hmm. go watch it. All right. Patreon patrons, stay tuned for your bonus material. Doki, we are back from watching one. Yeah, I watched one. Did you watch I just, one? I just went and watched one. That's cool that you watched one. You didn't watch yeah. two. You just watched no. one. Yeah. No, you know what's funny is, you know how we were talking about this may be the shortest name of yes. a Star Trek episode. This actually did become the shortest name for a while until Q, Q2. Oh, became a few years a couple of years later became the shortest um, the shortest yeah. episode and name then Q2. there was an episode called e squared or something like that <laughs> okay. that was like one letter with the square symbol yeah. so for for a while this was the shortest okay uh title of a star trek episode ever so right that's one thing we know that is one thing that we know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's start this up with our typical poetry synopsis. I let's will begin with my haiku. Here we go. Okay. My haiku for one. Nebula, too big. Stasis chambers are needed. Seven gets us through. Oh, wow. That was That's nice. It. Thank you. All right. That was really good. You captured a lot in those. I did. In those short little few time. syllables. Mm, so difficult. So difficult. Okay. Uh, here we go. My limerick for the episode one. Yes. Goes a little something like this. Let's hear it. Voyager enters a nebula no-fly zone where the new radiation can burn to the bone. Doc and Seven are a team. Then Seven has a real scary dream. Because no one likes being alone. Ooh, yeah. Mm. I like it. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Good job. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. All right. That was fun. Yeah. Limericks are always fun because mm. you it's almost impossible to capture the whole plot. There's no way. So you pick a couple of a couple yeah. of angles. Same with the same with the um haiku like, you got to go with the highlights and that's about you gotta it go the highlights you got to yeah. pick one angle around mm-hmm. it yeah mm-hmm. agreed nice agreed well let me just i would just want to before we get into this recap i want to bring yeah. up something on twitter and um just so the fans know robbie and i robbie's on his winter break so we're doing a little you know we're doing a little uh banking of episodes so um this tweet by the time you guys listen to this, this tweet will be a bit of an older tweet. So if you're going to search my Twitter, it, it happened on January the 4th. So I was answering a fan who says, Garrett, if they were to reboot Voyager, who would you like to see playing Harry Kim? And then I tweeted back. I said, the role of Harry Kim would naturally require an actor in their early 20s. But other than one of the members of the K-pop band BTS, the only name that came to mind was at 
Ken Jeong. I wrote Ken Jeong. And I said, uh. <laughs> it could be, I said, it could be a spinoff series called Star Trek, the 40 year old ensign starring Ken Jeong. <laughs> and I've never met Ken Jeong, I, which is rare because typically one Asian actor knows every other Asian actor in the biz. Right. So, but Ken Jeong kind of fell through the cracks in terms of my meeting him. And he immediately, immediately replied to, uh, to my response. And I, I started laughing so hard because he, he, he says he's a huge, huge fan. I didn't oh, even know. Crazy. I had no clue. I the know. Thing is, I never would have guessed that. No, there's so many Star closet. There's a lot of closet Trek fans out there oh, that yeah. don't really talk oh, about yeah. how much they love Star Trek. But then when he comes down to it, it, when you find out, it's just like, oh, my God, they, they're really, really into it. Um, so in essence, he, he said he found a gif with uh, Harry Kim, which and it says, you're a strong person at the bottom. It just shows Harry kind of saying something. And he says, OMG, I'm extremely flattered and honored that you would even mention me. I'm a huge fan, Garrett. Thank you for paving the way, brother. Okay, so oh, he wrote, all right. Wow. So then I was like, oh my God, that's that's really incredible that he said that. So then I kind of retweeted him and I said back to him, I said, well, of course, because he thanked me. I said, it's kind of surreal that we haven't actually met at some random event yet. The only other Asian American actor that thanked me for paving the way, quote unquote, was at Daniel Day Kim at an Asian award show. So proud of you both for all of your successes over the years. Way to represent. And now this got a lot of traction. All of a sudden, Brian Fuller sees this. And Brian Fuller's like, I need to see Ken Jeong in a Starfleet uniform. Is what he wrote. <laughs> and, and I said, you need this. I said, we all need this. So yeah. I, I may have inadvertently possibly Started uh, helped, helped Ken Jong, yeah, being cast in a Star wow. Trek episode. So I, yeah, it's just it's it, it really made my day to see. That's very cool, yeah, that he was, yeah. And so when I responded, of course, and it's kind of surreal, all this stuff. He was Ken Jong then tweeted back with like a, a heart, um, uh, two hearts, and a, and a hand. Two hand. What does the hand gestures mean when they're up like this? Does that mean? What does that mean? It's like yes, like yes, high fives, like, hey, or something or like yay, that. Yeah, or yeah. yeah. And know. then if you can see, he does a he has a gif of himself there bowing, and it oh, says that's it funny. says we're not worthy. Like you know, he's uh, he's not worthy of. Me. And then and then when he tweeted that, I found like a gif of. Can you see who that is? It's. Uh, Oh no. my gosh. It's okay. It's basically um, from Lord of the Rings. It's uh -huh. Aragorn's character at the very end. When at the end of when the hobbits save everything, the hobbits kneel down to him. And then Aragorn looks at them at the hobbits and says, you bow to no one because they're the ones that save the day. Right. So right. it's really fun, though, That's having cool. that Twitter, Twitter exchange with yeah. Ken Jeong, you know, who That's is very cool. Yeah. Who arguably is probably at the forefront of at least Asians in Hollywood. I mean, goodness gracious. He's doing, he's doing all kinds of things, right? He's now, a busy right? man, a very he's talented a man, busy, so. busy dude. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Very cool. Yeah. All right. That's a quick little segue there. Let's get yeah. into the episode. Ken was not in the episode. He was not one. in the episode one. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually I think Ken played the nebula. He was just maybe flying he through him yes. as actually. Yes. Yes. 
All right. So one is written by Jerry Taylor, which is really interesting because I, you know, as Michael Piller left and then Jerry Taylor left our show, Mm -hmm. it seemed like it was sort of this slow, it was talked about they were going to leave, but then they were still around a little, but then they were kind of half in and half out. So I feel like this may be one of Jerry's last scripts, actually. Mm. This is the end of season four. I, I can't, I just don't believe that she stayed on beyond season four, Okay, but I don't remember, you know, I have as, as it's well-documented, I have a really bad memory, so I could be <laughs> wrong, but this, this feels like maybe her last script. So I just thought that was interesting. I may be yeah. wrong, uh, but we'll see. Well, I hope you're wrong. I enjoyed Jerry uh, Taylor scripts. I, so I know I she was enjoyed- such a, she was like the heart of our show. She was. So she I really there's was more. I hope there's I more. Hope there's more. Mm-hmm. Directed by Ken Biller. Uh, this is his one first our... time directing. No, this is his second time. What? It's his second time this season. He directed, was it Revol- Revulsion or Repulsion? or oh. He directed something earlier in season four. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, My he mistake. Came, he came out and started directing quite a bit this year, hmm. which, um, you know, Ken Biller had a meteoric rise on our show. He started as an entry-level story editor season one he was as low as you could get in terms of being a writer mm-hmm. uh and and a you know starting starting writer and he had come from i think he had been an executive like a studio or network exec he'd worked in kind of the studio system a bit so this was maybe even his first uh writing job ever staff job ever i don't know but i i feel like he and i talked about that early on and um he was just starting out and then to be directing in season four. And ultimately we know he was running the show by the last season. He was the showrunner. He is the, is he is the crazy. Bob Picardo of writers. Cause if you yes. think about it, Bob Picardo's character was supposed to be the least utilized on Voyager. He was yeah. number nine on the call sheet, which means least utilized of all series regulars. And he parlayed that into the breakout character of the show. Yeah, Just became, like Ken Biller was the Ken, least utilized writer, staff writer in the lowest tier. In the beginning. Yes. And became, became the most a, powerful writer. He was the showrunner. He became the yeah, showrunner. By the end. Yeah. And then yeah. created, you know, went off to, to run and create his own shows after this, um, after Voyager. But anyway, Ken Biller directing a second episode. Mm-hmm. Um, our guest stars, we had Wade Williams. Wade Williams playing uh, Tragis, Tragis, Lotaric. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear the name mentioned very much, but Tra- Tragis, I think, was the name. The other guest star is Ron Ostro, who played the board drone. So that's our that's our guest stars that cool. I could uh, could find. Was Ron? Did Ron get a credit at the beginning of the app? Because I just saw Wade Williams' name. I didn't even. See I think Ron's he got name. a credit at the end. You the know, very end, also okay. starring, co-starring, or something like that. Yeah. Huh. Um, All right. Okay, so we thanks for filling us in. Yeah, that, that's our cast. So we open in the mess hall, mm. and Seven walks into a close up with the Starfield in the background, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting because it's it's an interesting opening shot because it's a little unconventional for us. She walks into this close up, and then as she moves back, the camera moves faster back to reveal uh, Harry and Bellana mm-hmm. in the mess hall. Yeah, and uh, she approaches them. And I, I really like the scene a lot. Yeah. This first scene. It's funny. She asks Ensign Kim, she has a few questions for them. So she says to Harry, uh, what was your place of origin? <laughs> yeah. Very abruptly, but like a, like an interrogation. And right. uh, 
And he sort of answers, he was born in South Carolina, mm-hmm. which I never knew. I never knew Harry was born in South Carolina. They gave me that choice. And you pick South Carolina? Because I was dating Danielle Corley at the time. Oh, Miss South funny. Carolina herself, Miss South Carolina, the USA pageant back in the day. And then she went on to do body shaping on ESPN. So she had a little bit of her own fame, but her father was a huge Star Trek fan. Massive. Oh, that's funny. So in honor of her dad, I was like, you know what? Let me, let me make her dad happy. You know, I'm going to choose South Carolina. Oh, uh, otherwise funny. I would have, I would have chosen Tennessee because that, you know, I was, I went from fifth grade to senior year in high school in Memphis. So I would have That's like home. Yeah. yeah so home. I selected South Carolina to kind of get uh, brownie points with the, my girlfriend at the time's father. So well, clearly it didn't work out. <laughs> it wasn't enough. <laughs> it wasn't enough. It's immortalized in Star Trek, but it wasn't enough. No. Okay. Then she turns to Lieutenant Torres and right. says, explain why you became a member of the Maquis. <laughs> so yes. Bolana's is like, Oh, well, okay. Right. It was through Chicote and, Again, she cuts, cuts off Bolana before yeah. <laughs> before you could finish, and then before Bolana can finish. Yeah, and then she says to Harry, "List the sports you play." Yes, and you list some sports, which I thought was interesting, by the way. Yeah, my selection: tennis, volleyball, right? Yeah, tennis, tennis, Parisi squares, Parisi squares, which I would rather call Paris's squares. It sounds, thank you, you know, more like your game, right? Thanks, buddy. But we do. Fi- you're welcome. But we do find that volleyball is his favorite. Now, I don't know. What? Yeah, I don't know. Where did know. that come from? Well, I will say this. I think maybe Ken or or maybe not. Well, Ken didn't Jerry? write this. It was Jerry. Maybe Jerry asked me because I played tennis in high school, ju- uh, junior high and high school. Um, and volleyball is one of my favorite sports to watch. I actually love volleyball. So wow. that shocked me when I saw when I was watching. They the must episode. have asked you these I things. They, they had to have asked me this. Otherwise, yeah. how would they how would this come up? It's too much of a coincidence. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, why yeah. would you say tennis and then Parisi's, well, Parisi Square's futuristic Star Trek game. And then volleyball is his favorite? Yeah. A little odd. Yeah. Unless it was pre-ordained that way by, you know, yeah. quick phone call. Hey, what sports do you like? We're going to throw this into the episode. So that's what I think yeah. happened. And then her, her uh, next couple of questions are justify the foods you find enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> right. I love her language. And then. She says to Bolana, describe the nature of your sexual relationship with Lieutenant Paris. My favorite Bolana's question. like, okay, that's it. My I'm done. favorite question right there. <laughs> I'm done. Did you laugh at that? You yes, must I have, did. You LOL'd on that one, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. <laughs> that's when the doctor comes in and freezes the program and yeah. we realize we're in a simulation. Yeah, it's a holodeck simulation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wanted her to get comfortable <laughs> with him people, not interrogate them. So. <laughs> yeah. So and she's like, I don't see the, you know, this is no. a waste of time. She says, you know what? I'm overdue for my medical maintenance checkup. And he's like, well, that's weird. You haven't ever you, requested a. Yeah. You're never, you're never someone who enjoys those treatments. And she goes, yes. well, I enjoy those treatments better than this treatment. And, this exactly. and she leaves great opening scene though. I, I very funny and great uh, opening scene. Yeah, yeah. I liked it. We go to a, a cool flyby of the ship and we notice um, this uh, this nebula is is very interesting. It's yeah. a, you know, a beautiful kind of purple color. We see, by the, the way, did go. you not uh, notice I changed my background? From our intro, you. You did. my intro changed to my now to nebula, nebula esque uh, background. Yeah. So to, you know, to get into the spirit, get into the episode. nebula spirit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. Continue. 
Yeah. So uh, we find out this nebula is enormous. It goes beyond the reach of our sensors. Going around the nebula would take, you know, way too long. Yeah. And uh, so Janeway says, let's go through it. It's crazy to think that it's so vast that it extends beyond the reach of our sensors. sensors. It's like, yeah. what? I thought our sensors were so modern, so futuristic and so amazing that they would pick everything up, right? But no, they can't even pick we up. We can't see where the sides are. So we're just going to no. see how deep it is. So let's just go through it. Mutara. Mutara class. Is that what they said? Mutara, Mutara class. Something like that. That's right. So we start to go through it. And mm-hmm. Harry's the first one to sort of have a little discomfort. I don't know what's up. All of a sudden he's like, ah, you make some noises up there. And Harry's so sensitive. Yeah. And, and then, yes, exactly. He's the most sensitive one on the bridge, clearly. And then Janeway says, are you okay? And he goes, oh, no, it's just a, starting to get a headache. Yeah, it's a little headache. Oh. And then suddenly, within seconds, Paris starts to wince. Yeah. And then Janeway and Chakotay, even Tuvok the Vulcan, the strong yeah. man, he's the feeling some man. pain. Yeah. And we do notice that that Harry's the first one to get some burns, like his skin is yeah, starting to. None of you guys had to have burn treatment on no, that first scene. Not in that it was scene. just me. Yep. Junk on my hands, weird stuff on my hands. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's how we end the opening, you know, that opening sequence with everybody wincing in pain. Yeah. And I gotta say, it was there was a lot of Shatner acting going on. <laughs> There was a lot of that's that's in my video reaction in the bonus materials for the Patreon patrons. That was my first uh, reenacting. Not the very first. It was the second video. I actually reacted to something else before that. So, um, yeah, it was Shatner-esque. Everybody was doing their best Shatner. It Mm -hmm. was amazing. It was was amazing. It was a tribute to Bill. I think it really was. I think Bill would be proud if he saw that. He'd be like... I love that is what he would say. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to our opening credits, then we come back and we're still on the bridge. And Janeway's like, turn around, Lieutenant Paris, turn around, set yeah. a course, you know, reverse, full right. thrusters reverse or whatever she says. Like you collapse. Paris you can't, can't he's like, oh, I'm <sighs> Shatner acting so yeah. hard. I you, pass out. You Shatner it and you fall to the ground. Yeah. Right. We cut to sick bay. The doctor yeah. is overwhelmed. He's like, what is going on? He yeah. sends seven to the bridge with a dermal regenerator. Mm-hmm. He's got burn patients all out in sick bay. Yeah. Uh, Tuvok is struggling. He, uh, stumbles. he makes his, stumbles down to the con, lays a, in a course to turn around. And as soon as the ship turns around within moments, we turn around, get out of that nebula. Everybody's feeling better. Everyone's okay. But here's the question. Why did Tuvok need to leave his station to come down to your station to turn around the ship. I mean, shouldn't every station have access to helm control? I mean, I, I would just, think so. It's so yeah. weird. I mean, he had to leave tactical, but of course it was really more to show how yeah. he was being affected by it. Right. You how he was struggling. Yeah. And also just to, without words to make it clear that he was doing something navigational I as opposed to his normal thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But you I, yeah, show you're it. right. I think that yeah. these computers should be able to, they should be advanced enough that you, Yes, yeah. I, I should be able to change the coordinates of our direction from my console, as well mm-hmm. as Tuvok at Tactical, as well as Janeway. Janeway should be mm-hmm. able to tap a couple of commands over at her little clamshell display thing that pops mm-hmm. up, right? That should have already, that should be a given. But yes, yeah. in order to show people without I mean, having to say I mean, don't we all have Wi-Fi on the bridge? We should. Aren't we all connected <laughs> to the interwebs? We're all, we're all we connected. Pull up whatever window, go to a website and... yeah. 
Um, Con comes up anyway. When seven so, jumps, when seven comes onto the bridge, she sees the one dead crewman. Yeah, and the first time that? that, well, the first time we see him, I said, "Oh, it's Pablo." And then it cuts away, and then uh, from from the shot of the dead crewman to somebody else on the bridge, and then it cuts back to another close up of the dead crewman. And then I'm looking at the hair. I'm like, "Wait a minute, that's not Pablo's hair." That's not Pablo. I go, "That's Louis." <laughs> That's Louis's hair. Louis? I look like Louis, but then I started thinking they probably but, would have picked someone brand new because you're not yeah. going to kill off one of our regular yeah. background actors because we need them. We can't yeah. just kill all those guys off. We have to have them for the extent of the show. So I yeah, think it was totally. just some random person. We are now in Astrometrics. Yes. And we find out that this nebula extends for at least 110 light years. A month mm-hmm. to get through and more than a year to get around. That is mm-hmm. a big, big nebula. Yeah. Uh, you know, so this is the info and it's we just get Janeway seven. And, and seven. Seven and Janeway, yeah. Seven and Janeway and Astrometrics. And Janeway is, she is not going to be deterred by this. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven's like the crew will not survive for more than, you know, moments here. Yes. Yeah. The way that they reacted to this, there's no way they're going to survive going through mm-hmm. this thing. Mm-hmm. Jamie's like, we got to, we've got to figure this out. Yeah, this nebula is not going to stop me, and she marches out of Astrometrics to go find uh, an answer. With that music in the background, you can always tell mm-hmm. when Jamie's not going to be deterred because there's this really crescendo of background orchestral music going yeah. on at the same time. Mm-hmm. One thing I noticed in this scene hmm. is I noticed this pattern. And then it comes up throughout where the shots would start on something tight and sort of pull back back, into a close up. I saw it a lot in this episode, like more than normal. Yes. Sort of falling into a pattern. So it was really nice when, um, you know, uh, wide shots or there was more variety. And I started thinking like, I wonder why I think there were a lot more scenes and setups in this episode than our average show, because it was just, seven of nine by herself. So she had to be moving around all the time. She had to mm-hmm. go to a new, a new room and a new hallway and mm-hmm. a new this. So there was a lot of like, start on something tight and pull back. Um, and I noticed that in astro- astrometrics as well. I wonder if this was Ken Biller's doing, or was it Marv? Marvin? Maybe. I mean, usually the director has some plans of how they're going to transition and open each scene. Maybe Ken had planned on a lot of these, you know, it could have been a choice, but yeah. Um, yeah. But it was interesting. I just, it was something I noticed and yeah. it sounds like you noticed it as well. I sure did. I did make a note yeah. about one particular scene later that we'll get to. So yeah. So whether it was Marvin's doing or Ken's doing, it was definitely a thematic uh, yeah. choice to do this pullout in multiple scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move on. We go to sick bay next. So the doctor's explaining that there's massive amounts of subnucleonic radiation that mm-hmm. are causing all of the skin you know, uh, inflammation or burns or whatever. And uh, he says, there's nothing that he can do. He can't prevent, you know, uh, the effects from happening. The only thing he can suggest is a stasis chamber. Yes. And Jane was like, who's going to fly the ship. I love that he volunteers. He's like, well, I have shown uh, rudimentary piloting skills. Uh, uh, You know, he's (laughs) so the doctor was like, wait a minute. The doctor is going to pilot the ship. <laughs> I was like, wow, that, that surprised me that he was literally going to pilot it. But I guess, you know, to his credit, he has 
you know, access to all of the information on our ship's computer. So he is a smart choice. And um, he volunteers to pilot the ship. And she says, you're going to need a backup uh, in case you go offline. You need someone or something to back you up in case there's a problem, which there is later on. So Mm -hmm. thank goodness. (laughs) And he says the only one that uh, there's only one person that's unaffected. And off of that question, we cut to a scene with Janeway and Seven. And again, it's another close-up. It starts in this close-up. So this thematic sort of starting on on Seven in a close-up. Can I stop you for a second here? Can we just rewind just a little bit and go back to the sick bay before we jump into the cargo bay? Yeah, go. Uh, From that scene alone, I realized that Star Trek Voyager has the answer for the current pandemic that we're in. Stasis chambers. Yes. Yes. If we put everyone in the world into a stasis chamber for one month, we would stop COVID in its tracks. Dead in its tracks. You wow. Can't, am I right? You're right. Let's do it. Let's do so, stasis chambers. I'm just telling you, Star Trek Voyager is the most important show on television. Everyone should watch this show. I mean, basically a stasis chamber is like life support, right? Yeah. So we would have to put everybody on the planet. <laughs> yes. In the planet on life support. Yes. For a month. Except for Bob Picardo. He can still run everything. Oh, he'd be fine. Oh, yeah, he'll yeah be fine. he'd be fine. Him and Jerry Ryan will help make sure, maintain <laughs> all, what is the world population? How many billion is it? They'll have to a maintain. A lot of billions. Yes, they'll have to maintain yeah, keep, all of these Keep Earth chambers. going for a month while we all go. That's fine. Wow. It can be done. If we had those, those life support stasis chambers, by the way, they look pretty comfy. I mean, I remember (laughs) being in there. It was not that bad. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was just uh, those days that we were in there and you and I were in there the most. We were, we were, but I, I just, it was so, one of the easiest days acting of all, because we didn't have to say anything. We just got to lie down. Go lie down. (laughs) Quite pleasant. Yeah. All right, jump to the cargo bay. You yes, are. We, we are with Janeway and Seven. Janeway yeah, is talking so jump, to Seven. We jump jump to the cargo bay, and again we start on a close up of of Seven. So mm. again, this pattern I kept noticing early on of starting these scenes with something tight or close up or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, Janeway is uh, proposing to Seven that she stay uh, with the the doctor, and and Janeway does bring up right away. She's worried that she's going to feel too lonely without the crew. Mm-hmm. Um, that it was hard for her to adapt from the collective to this, to our crew of nearly 200 people. Right. Um, and now she's only going to have to, she's going to have to adapt from the whole crew to just one person around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she says, I will adapt. And she also talks about how it's going to work. And Janeway says the doctor is going to be in command. Yeah. Which you yeah, you like. will listen to, you will obey all his orders. And she's like a hologram. She says it was such like, really, yes. you're gonna make me obey a hologram. I just like her little, her insolent little attitude. attitude. Yes. It's still she does there. attitude very well. She does, but she agrees. She yeah. agrees. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now we know what's happening. So we go to the briefing room and we're in the briefing room. Janeway's briefing the crew, Chicote. Yep. She's Janeway's basically saying, look, this is what's going to happen, right? This is the only way we can deal with this. Everyone uh, then leaves the meeting and Chakotay stays behind after the meeting and he expresses his reservations 
And then the bottom line is he agrees with her after she says, instinct. I have an instinct. And instinct is the reason why Janeway is trusting Seven, even though yeah. she has this insolent attitude. And I just love how Chakotay is like, eh, okay. it's good enough for you. It's, it's good, good enough, enough for me. Exactly. <laughs> you, got a, you got a hunch about this? I mean, okay. we only have all the lives of the crew at stake. That's all. But hey, I'm good is kind yeah, of what. If, you, yeah. if you've got a hunch. <laughs> if you got a hunch, I'm, I'm down. Good <laughs> By the way, at the very end. Yes. She says, see you at 1700 hours. Or one of them says, see you at 1700 hours. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Her hand goes up on his shoulder. Oh. And it kind of lingers there a little long, kind of pats and rubs moment. him. I'm telling yes. you, they should have had their own stasis moment. chamber, those two. Robbie, we need to come up with like a JC song, like theme a jingle, song? a theme song, like a JC moment theme song, jingle, jangle that we can come up with. Yeah. Or, where we just kind of play it. We just have it pre recorded and we can just hit a button or we can edit it in where you hear that little jangle, jingle, it's a little jangle. JC moment. Well, that yes. was one. That's that one was right one there. One with the shoulders. Mm-hmm. Good catch uh, there. Good catch there. Yeah. All we'll right. Go to deck 14, right. which is where the stasis deck is. Yes. And Paris is panicking. <laughs> I wrote Tom is a worry wart is what I he wrote. Was My goodness. You were having a, a pre-anxiety attack right there. Yeah. You were well, not. It, it does track later on. I was like, does, why yes. am I being so. Yeah. Why is he like this? Why am I being so dramatic about right. this? Like right. nobody else's. I love Harry's line. He says, shall we replicate you a teddy bear? <laughs> Thank you for that. Nighty night. Nighty night. I'm going to make a t-shirt with that on there. Yeah. Should we replicate you a teddy bear? And then I kept thinking, man, they did not have enough money for this episode because there is only four stasis chambers. And then, of course, it pulls back to another pullback to reveal more stasis chambers in another side room and more on a, up, a, a, up a, a higher level of, of deck 14, evidently. Well, right. I so, will say there's yeah. a continuity failure here because. Okay. Because uh, okay, so a couple things about these stasis chambers. You and I are but closest to the door. I don't know right. why I'm not somewhere near Balana. Well, that's what I wrote too. Why are you not next to Balana? And then I wrote Tom should be in a duo stasis chamber with Balana, yeah. like couples yeah. together, like exactly. you guys get. Yeah. That would be sweet. Why? But but you and I were closest to the door. That's why we were in all the other shots later on. And then at the end of the scene, Janeway walks like three or four stasis chambers away from the door mm-hmm. so she can get in hers, in hers yeah because i'm sure that ken and marvin ken biller and marvin and those guys were like let's put janeway in one further away so when we're doing all these other scenes we don't have we to call her in to call her in <laughs> to lay film. down and, and be an extra down there in the background <laughs> but for our two young guys what yeah, the heck put them up front yeah they're young well, they have energy they can come yeah. to work yeah the other thing about that pullback that you talked yeah. about yeah. So it was a Visifex. They did not have enough money to build, physically build. Correct. Yeah. That's more not... than maybe five or six stasis right. chambers. For, well, from what you see, the Tom and and Janeway, and then the other extra. That oh, you that's do see it. Tuvok. You do see Tuvok. It goes. It goes. Tom, Harry, random background female. Mm-hmm. Then I saw. I think Jan- Janeway's was the, either Tuvok. Janeway's, but then I saw two. I did see Tuvok's little face in okay. one of them. So he's on that main level. Right. So there's maybe five, five, five of, of those. Yeah. And then they pull back in a wide shot and you yeah. see off on one side and up above, off to the side that these. There's uh, another room almost. It's like, it's like a another, room at yeah. the end of that cargo bay or that, that stasis mm-hmm. chamber bay. 
and then uh, and then there's a balcony with more off right. in the distance. Right. But later on, the mezzanine level. Yeah, the mezzanine level. Yeah. But later on, by the way, when Seven comes in and she looks in there, and and Paris is is asleep, she heard his voice. You don't see the the backside really. of it. <laughs> You don't see any of them. I'm like, all you oh, see now is five. You caught it. And you I was like, guys, come on. If yeah. you're going to put it in the earlier shot, you got to, oh you've, my you've bought it now. You got to pay for it again. Oh. And they didn't do it. TV it production left. 101. What are we doing, people? That was my biggest com- like yeah. continuity complaint. When she yeah. looks in there and there's yeah. only five in yeah. the room, I was like, <laughs> you just showed us about 150. <laughs> right. In that last scene, and now we see five. Yeah, no, totally. Does not match. Doesn't anyway. work. Doesn't work. You caught it. Yeah. You caught it. Good for you. All right. That's the end of the stasis chamber scene. We go back to another flyby. There's a purple nebula now. Yeah. And, and, and it's uh, Seven of Nine's personal log. Is this her first personal log, or has she done yeah. one before? Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I don't think so. I think this is the first time I've heard a personal log from Seven of Nine. Okay. Well, let me jump through this then. So then yep. uh, she's, you know, we, we have the personal log. So it it begins with the exterior nebula space shot, nebula, mm-hmm. <laughs> nebula space shot. And then it continues as Seven is walking through the corridors mm-hmm. and she, it ends at mess hall, which is empty, which is sad. And then she replicates a nutritional supplement, 14 beta seven. Can you imagine if this is how we actually all spoke Ordered. in this way? <laughs> if, if you well, were she like, gets a if- mug of coffee. I was like... <laughs> nutritional supplement 14 beta seven, seven. that's 13 yeah. syllables or coffee, coffee. <laughs> so i know but i'm just imagining you saying to rebecca hey hon what's what's uh what's for dinner tonight and she answers nutritional supplement 14 beta five or she just if everyone <laughs> spoke like that this yeah, would be would crazy be. and it why would... why do nutritional supplements sound just like evasive maneuvers in seven of nine, right? Yeah, this is a—they're almost identical. It's all the same to her. It's it is. all the same. Evasive maneuver, fourteen beta seven. Nutritional supplement, fourteen beta seven. It's—it's mm-hmm. uh, it's so Borg-like, and it's so funny to me whenever she talks. Mm-hmm. It's just humorous. Yeah. So right. she's having her coffee, and mm-hmm. she's got a routine going on. And the, you know, we're at low power mode. The lights are all out. It's—it's it's already a little creepy. She goes to engineering, and it's completely empty. Yeah. She checks a console in there and yeah. beep, beep, beep. And then she exits there. She's mm-hmm. doing her rounds and she goes to the bridge. Bridge. I didn't write creepy. Empty. I just said sad. It just looks so sad. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't creeped out. I was bummed for her. Yeah. 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 It was sad. It was okay. sad. She goes to the bridge. Yeah. It's empty. She goes down to con, adjusts the heading by 3.7 degrees starboard. And then she goes back out into the hall for part of her routine. And she rounds a corner and sees Paris. <laughs> On the floor, and the door is like. How many, how many like, times? How many times that thing hit you in the head, and you didn't even know? I don't remember. <laughs> and but why, it's like, where are your boils? You should be covered in lesions and I boils. Should be covered at this point. Yes, you're, you're not. I'm caught in like the grocery store doors. Like they just keep <laughs> passed out on the floor. You know, she calls the doctor. <laughs> They should have showed more of that because you only see the one. If, yeah. they let it, if they let it go for three or four times, that, that would have that been That would be comedy. Comedy, right? That would be, be the comedy. sitcom version. Yes. Of, that's the Orville version of, of Voyager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Continue. Then uh, we go back in the stasis uh, bay and the doctor is shutting the window on Paris again. He says, no <laughs> ill effects. 
Right. No, nothing bad. He wasn't gone long enough. He just made it to the door. So before he passed out. <laughs> so let me, let me just, let's recreate what happened. So you got claustrophobic. You flipped out. You unlocked your stasis chamber. You get out. Then you start feeling the effects of the headache. Then you start doing the Shatner. You're like, ah, and Shatner it and up, then, yeah. And then you pass out without any lesions or without anything else. No right? lesions. I don't yeah. even make it out the door. Yeah. But let's go back for a minute. All right. To the part where you said, I get up and open my stasis chamber. Yeah. I'm in stasis. Yes. How the heck <laughs> did I wake up? And by the way, I did this four times, we learned later on. Okay. How did I? Here. I could somehow, Great. I have a superpower to break stasis unlike any other human no, no you did not you did not break stasis you did not wake up you effectively sleepwalked is what you did that's what okay. i'm thinking right people do things while they're sleeping okay that they don't recall so while you slept you were like uh beep 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 yeah you, so somehow you press the right code to open up the four times <laughs> there's I a lot of holes times. in the script okay yeah. there's a lot <laughs> yeah but still all right <laughs> all right we believe um, it <laughs> <laughs> and and the doctor makes a joke and, he, and seven doesn't laugh no and he, and he says even if you had the slightest sense of humor you'd realize i was making a small joke and then seven goes very very small, small. yeah i laughed <laughs> I, did, I did too they're getting yeah. on each other's nerves and this starting is... to get on each other's nerves but by it's the natural way, <laughs> by the way the doctor says also he goes um uh give me the life signs or vital signs and she starts calling out vital signs and she says at one point body temperature 96 97.6 and all of a sudden i was like wait a minute fahrenheit we speak metric on this show oh. in every way why would she i mean i don't know the conversion because i i you know i don't use it metric but i'm sure celsius people, then is what you're celsius. saying yeah. oh my goodness Robbie, you are, you are, I got to tell you, you are Sherlock Holmes on this episode. You have just, <laughs> you've just found all these little discrepancies. It's very impressive. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you. Okay. Thank Good you. job. Uh, the doctor says you know, they start bickering and he's like, you know what? We need to go to the holodeck. Yeah. And you need to brush up. Like, you need no, to brush up course and how to deal with people in the how holodeck. How to deal with people because you're getting on my nerves. Yeah. And she doesn't want to go. And he goes, this isn't a suggestion and it's not a request. It's yeah. an order. An order from because Captain, captain Doctor. He's Captain, exactly. I know, but see, but here's the thing. He doesn't have a name. So you're going to call him Captain Doctor? Captain Doctor. Which is a little confusing because you're the captain and you're the doctor. Or the doctor. No, I'm Captain Doctor. How about just, how about a hybrid name? Captain and Doctor get Captor. Copter? He's Captor. Copter. Copter. <laughs> or Docton. He's Docton. Follow the orders of Docton right now. Okay. okay. I like that. That's a good one. I like it. All right, so we we cut to the mess hall. Clearly, mm -hmm. it's a holodeck simulation of a party in the mess hall, and Neelix yeah. is passing hors d'oeuvres. Mm -hmm. Janeway is in a very casual dress, which I never saw before. I don't think we see again. No, um, she's is, in a ca yeah. casual dress. Chicote, I see walk in the background. He's in a nice party suit. I thought everybody looked good. Yeah. Looked good. yeah. Wait, were we in this scene? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Seven's seven's in there, Neelix. I think the producers felt bad that we were, you know, used as background in the stasis chamber so much. They're like, you know what? Let's give them a let's day off. Let's, the let's make Chakotay today. the background. Let's make Chakotay the background guy today. Exactly. And Janeway, basically. No, she's got a couple uh, lines. She had a line. Here. She did. She, she did. Yeah. But seven standing alone, Neelix approaches and says, Hey, you should join the party. And she's like, I have no desire for fun. 
Yeah, she's working on a pad. She's attempting to recalibrate yeah. the warp field to resist the nebula's radiation. Yeah. And so she asks Neelix for his help on this. Mm-hmm. She shows him the, the pad and the work that she's done. And he's like, oh, well, that's interesting. I think maybe we could do this. And then she calls for Janeway to come over. Maybe Janeway, Janeway can help. So she's trying, yeah. trying to show interest in people. Mm-hmm. So Janeway and Neelix start working it out. They're both mm-hmm. kind of spitballing ideas and the doctor the doctor kind of rolls his eyes though you see that right yeah so freezes the program again Mm -hmm. by the way he steps into a four shot it's neelix janeway seven and the and the doctor steps around and says Mm -hmm. computer freeze program yeah and and janeway and neelix freeze and maybe some extras behind and then the doctor pulls seven over to the side so they're all alone correct and i thought oh they want to get them away from the actors who are pretending to freeze (laughs) Because if they stood there the whole time, they would be moving. Kate would have to hold still, and then she'd be in the coverage. And yeah, so it's funny that. Do you remember doing that when we would have yeah. these like freeze program moments yes. where people would freeze? Yeah, and sometimes you'd do it in a split screen so that they didn't. You didn't have to hold it the whole time. They'd right. do it as a visifex, but sometimes you actually had to freeze. Yes. <laughs> and I just had this moment of like, oh, they just called and freeze. Yeah. And now they're walking away so that they, you know, are well, getting did you away. notice? Did you notice this Sherlock Paris Holmes? Uh, yes. Her when he says freeze, her right arm and hand moves a little bit. Oh, it does. does. It does. If you go back and watch it after the freeze happens, she freezes and then she readjusts a little bit. <laughs> you can see a little bit. That's of what like, I'm saying. Yeah, it's That's like, why nah, they got him out did. of it. Because there's no reason for him to walk her away. Yeah, no. Except to get the visual get effects yeah. off, off of the actors. <laughs> exactly. There's no, and there's no background behind them in any of their coverage either. So clearly right. they were trying to avoid any vis effects or, yeah. or freezy actor things. Yeah, It worked um, for the most part, except for Kate yeah. moving her arm. That's it. Uh, we get, Oh, we get a warning signal now. We get a warning signal that the antimatter storage tanks are failing. And that's when the doctor and mm-hmm. Seven leave this holodeck simulation. They walk out into the corridor and they're now at a wall console and they're tapping away. I we... think they're at a wall console. I mean, this is that's the problem with the, this is the, I wrote hall question mark because the problem with these kind of, this pattern of starting tight and pulling back, which then, happens, right. I don't know where I am. Like, right. are we, so I think we were in the hallway because they just came out of uh, mess yeah. hall, but unclear. Right. Anyway, they're at a console somewhere. Yeah. So they're at the wall console mm-hmm. and they have to eject the antimatter tanks. And the doctor says that they have to coordinate their efforts. So he orders Seven to go to engineering while he runs off to the bridge. Yep. So now the next scene is sort of jumping back and forth between the bridge and Seven in the corridors walking towards engineering. And you're getting, you're getting all these, these just messages of things happening and, and that engineering is filled with Plasma, not flooded, plasma, but yeah. plasma flooded, flooded with, with plasma. It. She'll yes. never get in. She'll never be able to get says. in, according to the doctor. And, and she, she says, I'll survive long enough to eject the assembly. Right. Like, I've got to do this. Right. And the doctor around the corner panicking. Yeah. High stakes. The, yeah. The hull is breaching. Like mm-hmm. all the information the doctor's getting is mm-hmm. that this is a disaster. Right. And she walks she comes, into engineering. Oh, she comes around the corner and she the engineering doors open up and everything's fine. There's not, yeah. uh, there's nothing wrong. And she realizes this is a false alarm. Mm-hmm. This is something, something's going on. So now in the next scene, this is why I wrote 
where are they? Question mark. That's what I'm saying. This is the one where we have no. Yeah, this is where we are. Whether they're in the science lab area or not, I have no clue. It could be sick bay science lab. It could be anywhere. And they are now realizing that there are malfunctions going on in a number of our neural gel packs, the bio neural gel packs that that sort of set. Voyager, this intrepid class starship apart from any other starship at the time is that we have these bio neural gel packs and they're the ones that are malfunctioning. So the mission is to replace these malfunctioning gel packs and to access these gel packs, they have to go through the Jeffrey's tube, crawling through the horribly uncomfortable Jeffrey's tube. And while they're in the tube and they get to their destination, trying to replace this neural gel pack. While they're in the Jeffrey's tubes, I loved when the doctor starts complaining about how small the tubes are. Yeah. He goes, why did, when they were designing this, why did they make them so small? He's complaining, you know, they should be big enough that we could stand up and walk. And she's like, you know, there's no use in complaining. There's nothing we can do about it. And he goes, oh yeah. Complaining is very comforting to me. I love that exchange. Yes. And I mean, he basically verbalized what every actor on Star Trek has always thought. Why can't we just stand up in these dang Mm -hmm. things? Just make them really narrow. Right. But just at least vertically high enough to stand up for a normal human being. Yeah. Uh, But no, no, Uh, we got to crawl through. Yeah, we got to crawl through. And And they get to they get to this juncture and there's a black gel pack. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. There's not lit up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some look good. Most of them look good, but you could see the ones that were damaged. So. Yeah. Yeah. So they replaced that one. And, you know, just to add insult to injury, now the doctor starts to fritz and he's just, mm-hmm. bzz, bzz, bzz. and, you know, this is the time when the doctor is saying, I need to get back to sick bay or else my program might be lost. And so they're running. Yeah. If, if my they're program running. goes offline while I'm out of sick bay, yes. then it may be irretrievable, he says. Yes, he could. Be, and he says, I love this quote. He goes, I may be facing I'm facing cyber cybernetic oblivion. Is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. Cybernetic oblivion. I'm facing cyber cybernetic oblivion. OK, it's very dramatic. I was thinking, why didn't he just transfer his program instantaneously <laughs> back to sickbay? Why does he have to physically run all the way back there? Because they wanted the audience to see how the doctor runs. That's it. OK. Yeah, yeah, I right. mean, he could Everything have just said, computer, transfer my program back to sickbay. And the, we've could've. seen this before. And then mm-hmm. the mobile emitter would have fallen on the ground. And then she could have picked it up and gone back or, slowly or a, without yeah. running. Or a site-to-site transport, right? Just yes. transport yourself. You don't have yeah. to just you know transfer your program. Just No, but they wanted the running montage. They wanted the so running they got montage. It. They got that montage. All right. All right. We're so in sickbay. Yes, we are in sickbay. The doctor is so happy to be there. And we realize his mobile emitter has been damaged. Yes. So now he's kind of stuck in sick bay. He can't really yes. leave. And he tells Seven, hey, it's now all up to you to keep this ship running. Yep. Which Seven is, I'm sure, quite apprehensive about, but she has to do what she has to do. She has to adapt. She can't complain. Another beautiful ship shot, some beautiful ship shots in this. Yeah. And then we come in on a, another close-up of Seven, starting <laughs> close-up and pulling back. And this time we pull back and we realize she's on a glacier. Yeah. Some kind of like ice, ice glaciery thing. Frozen tundra. I, I have to say, I didn't like this vis effect. I didn't think it looked very good. The angles were weird. Her feet were sort of 
looked like we were sort of in the snow, but it, it just didn't look, it looked uncanny valley. You know, that expression where just yeah. something is not, it just didn't look real to me. And it, and it was confusing. Like, I wish she had had some lines like, where am I or anything? She yeah, just sort of looked around and then. Uh, I'm going to play devil's advocate. It's, yeah. it's her dream. And dreams are just weird, period. So yeah. I'm okay with the uncanny valley. I'm okay that it didn't really make any sense that she had no lines because people's dreams make no sense at all. Yeah. It's just how it is. They're just bizarre. They're weird. They make no sense. They look weird. Uh, but we didn't know it was a dream no, initially until the big shot pulls back. It's right. a long shot. It goes on mm-hmm. a while. And then we hear the computer say, oh, 600 hours, regeneration sequence completed. Mm-hmm. And so now we know, oh, she was just dreaming. And this is like her wake up call. And we I go, wonder, I yeah. wonder if this is foreshadowing. I wonder if this is foreshadowing to mm. the episode timeless from season five, where the ship crashes into the ice planet. So I mm. almost felt like, hmm, this looks a lot like. I don't know that they planet, had the stories you know? figured out that far in advance, yeah, but, they probably may have, not. but they may have uh, remembered that image and said, Hey, what if we tie back to something like that? Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's inadvertent and coincidental foreshadowing. Maybe is what it is. Yeah. Okay. But she wakes up and she's in her regeneration pod. Mm-hmm. There's a nice Dutch angle close up that we start the scene on. Which I like that. We don't normally do Dutch angles. I know no. that Rick Rick Berman was not a big fan of Dutch angles. Yeah. Um, I'm but, shocked that Ken was able to get that through. But he did it. Yeah, he, he did, did a nice Dutch angle. Mm-hmm. And then this, as she steps out of the chamber in the close up, we go to a high wide shot and we see that whole cargo bay real wide as she starts transcribing out loud another personal another log personal here. log. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it was a beautiful wide shot. I was so it was so, such a relief and a nice change to get that high wide shot and just let it play in the environment a little bit. It was yeah. it looked really cool. Yeah, um, well, we also learned from her personal log that it's the 29th day traveling through the nebula, the mm-hmm. Mutara Nebula, and that she, Seven, has been feeling the effects of the prolonged isolation. And we also learned that the ship systems are requiring constant maintenance all the time. So something is always failing and she has to be on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like for instance, this morning, she must purge the auxiliary plasma vents. So that's her job for the morning. We then uh, jump to the bridge where seven is still going through her day, just yep. checking up on everything. She's trying to adjust the heading by point by point three one degrees to the port and yep. the computer is glitching and not accepting her commands. First, there's no response and then yeah. she she asks again then there's a real fritzy fritzy sound fritzy, mm-hmm. fritzy sounding computer trying to say something yeah and then she calls for a manual override and mm-hmm. initiate and, and initiates a diagnostic of what's going on with the computer yeah and she goes in the turbo lift and we hear the computer say diagnostic complete one third of the gel packs basically 33 point some percent are non-functioning and so Seven decides to reroute some systems past those non-functioning gel packs to try to keep the power in the ship running. So the yeah. ship is really starting to lose its ability to sustain itself. So she says to reroute the systems around these uh, non-functioning gel packs to try yeah. to keep things going. And we right. go to Astrometrics and there is a wide shot. We don't start close. I was so happy. A couple <laughs> of wide shots in a row. 
we see the astrometrics lab bay is you know her room as she comes yeah. through the doors yeah and it does push down from this big wide shot probably a wide lens like to talk uh camera lenses for a minute it was probably like a 12 or 14 millimeter lens a pretty wide lens mm -hmm. and it pushes from that wide lens down into her close-up and i did say okay i to myself i said okay i like the wide shot in that lens yeah but it's not a good lens for a close-up because those wide lenses distort faces mm. luckily they didn't stay in that for long they cut mm. around to the back and right but um but from this astrometrics astrometric scene, we do learn that there are six days left. Six days yep. to get past this nebula. We jump out into the corridor, and she's walking along, and then all of a sudden she hears Seven help, and it's Paris's voice. Paris, and and she thinks, you know, he's been waking up, so yeah. it would make sense. Yeah, we go into this kind of handheld POV, right? And it's everything's very dark, mm -hmm. and she enters the stasis bay, and Deck this 14. is where, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Paris and everyone is still in their chambers. They're still all asleep. Safely in their stasis chambers. Yep. Paris is yep. not um, sleep. He was not sleepwalking. He didn't come out. Yep. Also, when she comes in, this is the point that I was talking about earlier. When she mm. comes in, you know, it's very creepy. We build up to the doors opening and she sees the stasis chambers, but it's only like the five of them. There's not the room behind right. or the mezzanine yeah. or anything. This is the moment where I was like, oh, yeah. they cheaped out here. Yeah, you caught it. After she realizes everyone is safe, then a proximity alert sounds. A yep. vessel is approaching, and all of a sudden, someone hails Voyager. And we realize that somebody by the name of Tragis Lotaric. <laughs> Tragis yes. Lotaric. What a name. Tragis, Tragis Lotaric. Okay. Yep. Uh, he's in need of a microfusion cha chamber, so he wants to trade. And so Seven, she's game. She says, well, do you have any liquid helium? He says, oh, I have plenty. So mm -hmm. she says, okay, fine. Let's, uh, I'm going to beam you I'll over. beam you right and, into yeah, the cargo bay. Cargo bay, and let's, let's, let's make this let's deal. Let's make this trade. Mm -hmm. So now they're in the cargo bay, and uh, well. What did she need the liquid helium for, by the way? I'm curious. She had to fill the balloons up for the party. Uh, <laughs> you know, helium is a naturally occur is a limited resource. Helium is a limited resource. Okay. Because uh, when I've done shows recently in the last couple of years, and we've had party scenes where you want, you know, lots of balloons and mm -hmm. maybe you're shooting that party for a week. So every day you've got to get, you know, 200 balloons every day, yeah. fresh balloons for right. the next day's work. Right. You can't get enough helium. There's a helium, a worldwide helium shortage the last oh, couple of years my goodness so i never realized that it's a limited resource so i wonder yeah i guess seven needs liquid helium i don't know what liquid helium is but uh i i can just imagine us when we're really old talking to young people going you young kids don't even know what it was like to inhale helium and your voice sounded really funny mm-hmm and the young kids will there's be saying, no more helium, helium? what's that What's Mr. Helium? McNeil? Yeah. 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 But in go. the future, they'll have liquid helium. Yeah. Liquid Synthetic helium. liquid helium. And he has plenty of it. So yes. There you go. Um, they're in the cargo bay, and he asks about her unusual name, Seven of Nine. And she says, Well, it's a it's Borg. And he mm -hmm. says, Never heard of him. Just very nonchalantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way he played it was downright creepy. Yeah, I wrote. I mean, I, creeps on her. Yeah, hard. It, it was. It was. It was to me. It was like, are it was, you alone? He's it was following. Yeah, it her. was like it was like somebody who came up to the door, knocks on the door, 
the 12 year old answers and says, and says, uh, yes, can I help you? And the person's like, well, can I use your phone? And then he comes in to use the phone and says, oh, are your parents at home? And no, they're not. That, I got that whole feeling of like, yeah, it was creepy. And he was, a it was predator. sexual in some yeah, way. It was just it was, weird. Was the weird. other thing that was weird to me is she was very busy with her pad and or tricorder or something and going from box to box. She was walking all over this place and he kept sort of leapfrogging and chasing mm. her and walking mm. creeping on her yeah but i kept thinking to myself what is she doing like mm. what is her business is she doing inventory is she checking every <laughs> box and like oh i gotta do inventory Maybe. right now sorry no, no, no i just I beamed you over here but i'm just gonna do inventory of this cargo bay i mean i know she was looking for the whatever he wanted what did he want the <laughs> micro something yeah micro fusion chamber but just, chamber. just the fact that she's busy doing inventory while she's he's doing there, inventory it's right now funny it's like, uh, this is a good time for me to wander around every single box in cargo bay and scan it and make sure don't cross check my inventory there's there's 12 eps relays i distinctly remember 11 a, and there's this now went 12. On a long time <laughs> yeah. and i kept thinking what is she doing like if she was looking for the microfusion chamber she'd just go where's the microfusion chamber? oh yeah. box number 37 right. there it is like right. you know <laughs> okay anyway. anyway um she besides his creepiness her yeah, inventory she, was creepy to me it, it was he, um <laughs> just a creepy scene all around so he had tried five times to make it through this nebula he says yeah. right so but he's going to be the first of his species to make it through and see what's on the other side and it'll be glorious and seven's like eh, she's very meh about this whole thing right mm -hmm. um he then asked seven how is she handling the loneliness mm. and then she says that seems to well, stop her inventory. Yeah, that, yeah work. she doesn't say anything. She stops. She stops taking inventory, and she looks over it. And he <laughs> says, "He says, I heard that drones can't stand being alone. They're mm -hmm. too used to the collective." And this is that is so creepy because he had already said that he had never heard of the board. Heard of but the now board. He clearly has heard of the board. Mm -hmm. And then um, even creepier. Uh, later, she uh, he she, he mentions, "Well, maybe you know, maybe we need to get something to eat and spend some time together." Blah blah. And she says, no, you will be, you know, this, this transaction, this term is finished, whatever you, you must leave. And he says, well, and if I want to stay longer, and then she says, you will not be accommodated. I love that line. Yes. I want to say, I want to say that from now on, if someone asks you will me not something, be accommodated. I'm going to say that to them in real life. I'm going to say, you will not be accommodated. It's just, it's so cool. It's a pretty and good answer. It's a cool Borg answer, you know, yeah. and I, and seven said it. So this is, Another T-shirt idea, I think. Yep. So she pulls a phaser on him and says, and you know what? She should have said like, oh, there's a phaser in this inventory list in this box and pulls it out. She should have said that before yeah. she pulled it out. So she yeah. pulls it on him and says, let's get out of here. So she's escorting him through the corridor at phaser point. Which, she, by the way, she she yeah. did a, a direct beam in into cargo bay couldn't she just tell the computer <laughs> beam him out of cargo bay and back where he came from right now yes Bam, done yes yes sherlock holmes you are Why right does again she walk him down the hallway <laughs> for no apparent reason you're right you're right you're right so you're he could have he could have been beamed out right there but it, it didn't it in her mind he needed to have the he had to walk the plank you walk know the it's plank like, to the you're gonna walk the plank to the transporter room and i'm gonna make you think about those horrible suggestions and creepiness that you've you know, yeah. bestowed upon me. Yeah, so she's, she's walking she's, him down. Yeah. And she hears Paris again. Paris's voice. And she turns around. She's like, where is he? Yep. 
And she looks back and he's gone. Or he, you see gone. the shadow of him running Tragis around the corner. Is, yeah. Tragis is no more. He's Tragis, gone. Tragis is an apparition. And she gets to sick bay and she tells yep. the doctor, there's no, there's, I, I've lost this alien. And mm-hmm. the doctor's like, you know, he's tapping in the computer. He's like, well, well that's interesting. Maybe he's cloaked. There's no yeah. sign of an Maybe alien. There's no there's... sign of a ship. There's no nope. sign of nothing. So that's when you start realizing, hmm, is this a figment of her imagination? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then, of course, the, another warning message. Deuterium tank levels are fluctuating beyond acceptable tolerances. Mm-hmm. At least I think that's what it was, because the voice got really at the very end of that. Beyond acceptable. It was very funny because it was like beyond acceptable. Yeah. And the doctor's line, his response, he listens and he's got a funny face. And then he goes, the computer sounds like it needs a stimulant. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> Which then reminded me of the episode Twisted. Which then reminded me yeah. of the episode where, where Janeway was on the, on the ground or on the bed going, uh, what did you say? Doggy doo-doo. You were doing the impersonation <laughs> yes. of Janeway. So yes. that's what I was thinking about yes. during this scene. Uh, but the doctor does say he has a real moment here near the end of the scene. He says, uh, yes. Seven, are you frightened? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he senses her the fear and what's the anxiety mm-hmm. going on. And she mm-hmm. pauses for a long time. She looks at him and she says, I am Borg. I am Borg. You will be. not be accommodated, doctor. <laughs> You're... Fear will Your not, fear be, will not accommodated. be accommodated. I am Borg. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, she, now we're back in the hall and she's got the super cool rifle from First Contact, by the she way. Got the phaser those rifle. Those are those, those, are those yeah. rifles with the lights on them that they, that they uh, introduced in First Contact, by the way. Do you that's think what we, that rifle is. Do you think we ended up borrowing that from their reserve of probably. stuff? Probably. Probably, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, probably. They were just okay. like, let's make this look super badass. And yeah. Give her those new fancy feature. That was rifles. probably a Ken Biller special. He was probably pulling probably. his weight, going yeah, like, you like, know hey, what? I'm use... directing now. I'm going to use the stuff you used on the feature for my television yeah. show. Let's right? up so, the ante here. Yep. Um, she's very paranoid. She's she's hearing whispers and voices, like a haunted ship everywhere. Yeah. Well, the first sound, I heard, there's like <clears> a bang <throat> on a bulkhead, and then you hear like a sound of a young girl going. Do you hear that? Did you yep. hear that? Okay. Mm-hmm. So then you're wondering, huh? Then you hear the first voice speaking. It's a male voice. Could not make out who Could that not make was. Out who it was. The second voice was Neelix. Then there's uh-huh. Janeway. Then you hear Paris. Then you hear Kim. And then you hear Chakotay. So you do hear quite a few of our regular heroes, yeah. our regular cast members in this kind of mm-hmm. spooky. In this kind of paranoid, scene. creepy yeah, paranoid scene. voices. And she... Keeps looking around, ends up back into uh, the stasis chamber, and Paris yeah. and Harry are still sleeping in their beds. Yeah, everyone's okay. Just, yeah. And again, they did not show the rest of the room. Just deck nope. 14 is just the five stasis chambers and the mm-hmm. only two actors that they had coming in day after day to lie in them. Were you, you and, and I, I, you did see Harry <laughs> and Paris sleeping in their beds, but nobody else. I would you have loved me. to have seen Paris just, just randomly moving with his eyes closed. Like, <laughs> trying, eh, to eh, trying to beep, get out. Trying to get out. Beep, beep. <laughs> something um, along those lines she goes back out in the hall tragic mm-hmm. starts to speak to her and i was i said to myself it sounds like it's on a speaker like i couldn't tell <laughs> is this in her head is yeah. it in speaker and he keeps talking to her yeah. is it telepathic i didn't know right. what was going on right uh she doesn't respond he says what sensors can't detect him yeah. sensors can't pick up where he's at she's gonna have to ask him where he's at right 
And well, no, but then he doesn't yeah. he say like, you know, well, I'm going to just give you a, I'm not going to tell you, uh, but I will say this. What would happen if the structural integrity around the warp coils collapsed? And so yeah. now she knows engineering. So she runs, runs, runs to engineering doors open and the warp core is going kind of fast at this point, but it looks fine. Yeah. And he says now, well, I couldn't bring myself to destroy your ship. And then all of a sudden the lights go out, all the lights go out. Yeah. And she's kind of panicking here. And she finally does ask, where are you? And he goes, oh, I thought you'd never ask. And he says, I'm on the bridge where you can do just about anything from there. Right. And And that's that's when we hear Paris calling uh out, right? She looks up at the second level. It's Tom and Harry. And Tom does the mezzanine. Yeah. Tom does a little Shatner acting up there. And he's like, And then uh, that's when she, she climbs, rushes up, climbs like, up the ladder, up there, gets like, up to the mezzanine, the balcony yeah. and the engineering and looks over and they're on fire. They're laying on the ground on fire, laying on the ground on fire. And then she reacts to that. And then we come back and then they vanish. They literally like burn into nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that was really disturbing, though, to watch us both on fire. I don't remember that scene at all. From when I first watched this years ago, I had no recollection of that. that they I remember that. filming it. I remember it was very really? simple for us because they, yeah. they didn't they didn't put fire on us. No, no, I know. We just laid I'm down still... on the ground. Yeah. And then they locked the camera off. And then we right. laid there and then we got up and then they got a clean plate. Right, right. I mean, it wasn't fire to it. Correct. It was added. But I'm just saying it was disturbing to see the visual, yeah. visual effects of us burning. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, it we, was. you want to think about us ever burning ever in real life so seeing this was kind of painful it's very painful yes okay um so tragis is now just continuing to taunt her and uh he talks about firing a torpedo he talks about a few things and then she decides to turn the tables on them and she cuts off the oxygen to the bridge Mm because she asked him where he is he said the bridge she turns off the oxygen and now she's listening as he's gasping for breath and gasping, and then he goes silent. She calls out to the doctor. Um, he says, I fixed my mobile emitter, and he's marching very fast down the hallway. <laughs> I'll meet you in engineering. And he's heading that way, and the doors open, but to her surprise, it's not it's not the doctor, no. and to our surprise, it's Tragus. Tragus. And she fires at him with her first contact fa- mm. phaser rifle. No effect. And she, he continues to taunt her and uh, calls her an ex-drone, a pathetic ex-drone. Weak. You're weak, yes. You thought you could be a human, but you failed. And now you, you know, you're just alone and weak and pathetic. Yeah. And also the warp core goes Borg green at this point oh. as, he's, as he's taunting her. The warp core goes from our normal blue to, to green. So, yeah, so we know that this is all hallucination, right? At this point, like that can't—it's not—it's not board green. And then the doctor enters. Mm-hmm. You cut over to the doctor. We don't know how long he's been standing there, actually. And he says, <laughs> "Nobody's <Just> watching there. her. <laughs> Who are you this. talking to? Yeah. Who are you talking to? Nobody is there. Yeah. But he does offer an explanation, though. He says he studied the gel pack and he discovered that the radiation was producing a degradation in the synaptic relays." And then he says, well, I'm guessing that there's also a similar effect on your Borg implants, that the radiation could be altering the neurotransmitter levels in her sensory nodes. And this is Mm -hmm. what is causing the hallucination. So he has a real life answer to sort of like 
put her at ease a little bit, you know, seven, you know, you're not going crazy. This is, this is happening to this ship, the gel packs, and now to you. And and this is where she tells the doctor a story, a very emotional story about when she was a drone. Um, I thought Jerry Ryan did a great job here. She she says when she was a drone, she was separated from, um, you know, the collective for two hours Mm -hmm. and she experienced panic. And she experienced apprehension. Mm-hmm. And she said, I feel the same way now. Now. And, and it this, was very, very, um, I was very sympathetic for her. I know. love this moment because this is the first time that Seven is vulnerable, like mm-hmm. really vulnerable mm-hmm. to the audience. And mm-hmm. it's a nice moment because this is this is how you become fans of a character, right? You, yep. you, the, the character lets you in on a little bit of their their secret life or their emotional yeah. vulnerability, you know, and then all of a sudden you start cheering for that character. Yeah. And this is a good, a good turn for us. Yeah. It was a great moment. It was a great moment. And then in engineering, suddenly an EP, EPS conduit, there's an explosion on a console. Right. And we realize the EPS conduits are failing. Yeah. And the doctor says he tied in his hollow matrix to the EPS conduits and he starts fritz, fritzing out. Yeah. And it's a nice pullback shot of seven standing all alone in engineering yeah gonna have to do this all herself i wrote that down i said i like the pullback to show how alone she is Mm -hmm. and to be perfectly honest this is the only time i really noticed the pullback (laughs) was in this shot you noticed everything before this so thank you for yeah thank you for for bringing that up and and Mm -hmm. letting me know that there were multiple moments of pullback uh, but this is the one that I thought was the, the most effective. At least, this one was very, very uh, well designed because it was a it was a wide shot. It showed yeah. us context and it showed us the whole room and yeah. and uh, sad, scared little seven in the in the uh, engineering. It was yeah. good. Oh yeah. So we go to astrometrics next. Seven's working and uh, she's talking talking <laughs> to the computer. How much further? Basically, she's trying to find out how much further. Seventeen and we hear hours. A voice, we hear a voice say. It doesn't matter. You won't make it. <laughs> and we reveal it. zombie. I'm going to call him zombie Harry. Uh, I uh, Okay. I wrote radiation Harry, but okay. You can do okay. zombie, I like zombie, zombie Harry. Harry. Okay. Zombie so, Harry's hanging out with her and she's not even looking at him. She's no. just, she knows now that she's hallucinating all this. And uh, I fun. actually remember filming this scene. And I remember when uh, I came on set and Jerry was like, Hey, Gooby, I think you got some food on your face is what she said. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's just messing with me, you know, because it, it's quite obvious that there's oh, a lot yeah. of junk on my face, uh, clearly. Um, but yeah, Zombie Harry toying, toying with Seven. It's mm-hmm. a, a funny scene. And he comes over, he says, you can't shut me out. Yeah. And I, I wrote down close talking. It was a little <laughs> close talking there. Uh, more close. But there's only, if we do find out 17 hours, 20 minutes left. She heads out of astrometrics, leaving yeah. zombie Harry by himself. Mm-hmm. And out in the hall, it looks like a Borg hallway. It's all green. There's smoke. Yeah. Suddenly a drone appears. Mm-hmm. And I made a big note here. I said, this, this drone, this Borg drone does not walk like a Borg. He looked very <laughs> human to me. I thought his delivery of the dialogue was all good, but his yeah. physicality was much too... He was just sort of walking like a human. Well, this is pretty early in Ron Ostro's career as well, right? So maybe he yeah. wasn't as comfortable, you know, he wasn't as relaxed as he could have yeah, been. Yeah, maybe there. he hadn't seen like first contact. Maybe he didn't know. But I did make a note that this really jumped out at me as being, I don't think they sustained the kind of robotic 
you know, movement, the physicality that we, you know, that we've established, we've seen established on, on our show and, and in the movie and all those things. Well, I would, I'm going to, I'm going to suggest that that is not Ron's fault. And that is Ken Biller's fault. Ken should have been able to, to debrief this actor and say, Hey, Hey, let me just quickly show you a scene from first contact. Yeah. If you don't how know, Borg this, is how a Borg, this is the physicality of a Borg. And I want you to sort of mimic this the best that you can. So this is really a Ken Biller issue. In my, yeah. Cause he was, he was chasing her through the halls quite a bit. And, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't be walking like a human strolling through Central Park. Okay. No. You need to, it felt you need a little to, bit like that. That's probably exactly. an exaggeration. It wasn't that, that casual, but it also, but was it was not, enough. To, it was enough that you noticed it. It yeah. did stand out. Right. So, it did yeah. That, so that's a problem then. That is a problem. Basically, though, he's there to say, you know, uh, a board cannot be one. You cannot be one person alone. Mm-hmm. You will not survive. And, yeah. And she says, no, I will survive alone. Yeah. I will adapt. And he says, you no, weak. you will, you, you will die, die alone. alone. <laughs> exactly. Oh, dun, dun, die dun. alone. What a horrible thing to say. It is a horrible thing. It's horrible. Yes, it is. So now it's we're in the turbo lift and she's trying to shut that drone's voice out. And now guess what? Tragus shows up. Tragus shows up and he says, you're in pain, Seven. I can help you. I can help and you. as he creepily strokes her face with his alien hand, I have to stop and say, makeup department, excellent job on the hand. My goodness, that hand looked yeah. really, really detailed too. and wonderfully alien-like. So I, yeah. I thought, good job. And the door opens to show the interior of a Borg cube. And so you hear- Just make a choice. You yeah. don't have to- Mm-hmm. You don't have to, you know, even ask me for anything. Just step through that door. Just step through. Walk right through. Mm-hmm. And you hear resistance is futile. And now. And she knows that this is all her illusion. She, yeah. she yells bridge. Yeah. To the turbo lift. Right. She's kind of freaking out at this point. She is. We and... go to the bridge. Mm-hmm. And there are Captain Janeway and Chakotay and Harry and Paris and Tuvok. All of them like a Greek. I wrote down like a Greek Greek chorus. chorus. Yeah, Greek chorus of doubting voices. Yeah. (laughs) I wish that I honestly wish we had been staged at our normal stations and just more casually sort of tossing. Oh, you're not going to make it. And she like as if we're sort of ghosts at our station, because there was something about the formality of us standing and delivering that made it actually less dramatic to me it seems i hear you but the way it was set up the inch the introduction of this scene is that she's in the turbo lift so it's her pov as as, as it opens and as it opens she would only really see you on at con you know and maybe the back yeah, of janeway's head like, a little bit right she couldn't have seen tuvok and kim or if she had stepped out and the pov had panned across okay, yeah, to yeah, see yeah, everybody yeah. okay i don't know there could have been yeah. a way it just felt like the staging of us just standing there yeah was well, kind of forced to me. Forced, but you're right. It was a Greek chorus, and the Greek mm-hmm. chorus stands together. They're not apart. And That's I true. just yeah. So really, I'm okay with it. But I see okay. what you're saying. It, it would have been creepier if we were at our stations and just talking. Um, but I do find that it was interesting that all the Voyager main characters are just the personification of doubt. Yep. That's it. That's what we were. Doubt in her mind. Yeah. Paris says at one point, you know, what do you think she's thinking? And Janeway says, I know what she's thinking. So we know that these are all voices yes. in her head that know what yes. she's thinking. She wants we to have... reroute the power from the stasis chambers to the engine. Yes. To, to keep the engines running, she's going to have to sacrifice some of the crew. And right. 
if she doesn't keep the engines running, then the whole crew will die. So she's in a bit of a pickle here. Yes. And Let me just go back just for a second. Um, yeah. So when we have that warning of that propulsion system failure in progress, Tuvok says, what is she doing? Chakotay says, she's trying to keep the engines online. Paris says, place your bets. Anybody think she can do it? Kim says, I'll lay odds that she can't. And I just made a note. This is the only time, one of the few times uh -huh. that gambling, yes, <laughs> gambling this reference dialogue is going on. Cause I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, laying odds. That's something that I do <laughs> at the craps uh -huh. table, you know? So I was very shocked to notice that this was used on a Star Trek Voyager episode. Yeah. And I say, I'll, I'll lay odds that she can't. And there's 41 minutes left. And, uh, it, Harry says, someone says it's too long. She won't make it. And Harry says, that's an eternity. That's an eternity. And I say the same line that I said back in Astrometrics. I said, that's an eternity, eternity back then. And I'm still having problems with it now, 20, 30 years later. <laughs> that's an eternity. Yeah, that's an eternity. Saying that to me is a tongue twister. That's an eternity. That's eternity. an eternity. That's an eternity. eternity. It's just the getting the last T in eternity to be pronounced is hard for me to do that because but I you think did it's it. because- You nailed it. Oh no! You made it I, work. I, I didn't make it work in astrometrics. Every now and then, one word will kind of trip me up, and that's one of them. And I, I felt that weird that he they repeated the same line from astrometrics hmm. to here, but that's okay. You know, it's not a horrible thing that it was repeated. She does end up rerouting power from ten of the stasis chambers to propulsion yes. systems, correct, and resumes course. Mm -hmm. And at the end, Paris says, "I win." I knew she didn't care about him. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I win. Hey, there's the bet. I'm, I was the winner, I guess. I suppose. I guess I, then, I guess I was part of that bet. Yes, you were part of the bet. And then she rushes to deck 14. Because yes. after you go, I win. She didn't care about us. She felt bad. Yes. It was your words that prompted her to rush. And Paris is dying when she Paris comes into the, to the. Um, but before that, she comes in, guess who's standing at the doorway to deck 14? Zombie slash radiation Janeway says, come to watch them die is what she mm -hmm. says, right? So it's freaky. It's scary. Co opens up and Paris is choking. He's gagging. He's uh, he's shattering all over the place inside that uh, stasis right. tube. And uh, how many minutes left? 11 minutes left at this point to get through. Yep. And Seven makes the decision. She cuts life support to all the decks, reroutes any available power to the failing stasis units, which would be Tom Paris's, Harry Kim's, random background person, Tuvok and Janeway. So those are the mm -hmm. five that are right there, right? That's one through 10, or at least one through five, at least. Yep. <laughs> but um, she's going to, she's going to save those people and sacrifice herself by taking life support offline. And she yeah. starts losing consciousness. And, uh, and the last thing she says is she will adapt as yeah. she, she says, I am seven of nine. I am alone, but I will adapt. But I and will adapt. very heroic of her to give very. up her life. Because, mm -hmm. you know, for all intents and purposes, she, she knows I'm cutting off oh, yeah. my oh, yeah. ability to survive, but I'm going to, you know, the, the needs. Going to save. Yep. Yeah. The needs of the uh, many. Of the many. The needs of the few. Right. Yeah. So she let herself sacrifice her yep. own life for this. And we think she's going to die and it kind of goes to black. And then we see a POV in sickbay and there's a healthy looking Janeway and doctor. And yeah. I think Chakotay was in there and, uh, yeah. and we realized that she lived and she's yeah. in the, in the surgical bay and sickbay. 
And she seems very shaken when she sits up, but she says she was glad to help. And Janeway says, I want to, you know, once you recover, I want to hear all about this. And I made a note that I felt like all the other actors seem so relaxed. Like they had had a nice nap in the stasis chair. They missed all of this drama. They just went to sleep. Yeah. You mean, cause the way Janeway says, Hey, I've heard you've had an adventure. I'd, I'd like to hear about it sometime. Yeah, just it's, it's just so casual. It's casual like, eh, and relaxed yeah. and, and right. seven poor seven is just like, you can see the, how shaken she is and yeah. how, how, uh, yeah, she's just been traumatized by this thing. She's traumatized. Then we go to mess hall and seven comes into mess hall and she asks if she can join Harry and Tom and Bellana. They're sitting down eating and, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, she says she felt the need for some companionship. And I love that, that uh, Paris took a shot at the doctor here. <laughs> Paris goes, well, after a month with only the doc for company, I can understand that. Cause I think See, the you, doc took Tom, a couple shots at Tom. Oh yeah. He, no, he, he has. He's yeah, so. he's but he also took shots at you in the episode Living Witness when he talks about the holodeck recreation of all the Voyager characters not being anywhere close to how they really are in real life. Oh, that's right. Well, except for Tom Paris. Like yeah. he, so he he took a shot at you there. He took yeah, a shot he's at you in this episode. when I'm not around to defend yeah. myself. That's so right. I took so a you, shot at you the deserve a here. shot back at the hologram. Yeah. There you go. I uh, also love how seven, another seven Borgish, a Borgism, um, when she says, when Taurus says, you should have some soup. It's actually pretty good. And seven goes, I don't require nourishment at this time. <laughs> and I, I think I'm going to use that too. When someone goes, yeah. you want to grab some food? I'm like, I don't really require nourishment at this time. I want to say yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Right? Good, good Borg, Borg talk. Yeah. Borg talk. She did tell everybody that on four separate occasions, they had to put Tom Paris back in his stasis Four. chamber. <laughs> And they're like, and, and I think Harry, Harry asks, like, why? What? And uh, Paris yeah. is like, I don't know why. I just yeah. don't like small spaces. Yeah. And then Seven ends the episode with, well, perhaps you dislike being alone. And she can appreciate the da, da, da. company and connection and people. So yeah. she's grown a lot in this episode. Yeah. She big really character has. development episode yeah. for Seven. And that's the end of our episode. That is it. Yeah. Your, your lesson, whether real or comedic, is? My lesson, my theme for this episode is really that connection and company are important to feel truly human. That uh, Seven was on a you know her journey to become more human, and she really learned this lesson of connection, mm. how important that is, uh, and not, not feeling alone. Yeah, I think that's really important. For everyone to whatever they're going through, um, good or bad. If you're going through something good, it's great to not feel alone so you can celebrate with other people. And, mm. and if you're going through something bad, it really clearly is important to, to remember that no one's ever alone. Okay. So yeah. what's your lesson? My lesson is kids don't invite strangers into the house when your parents are gone. That's my lesson. They'll be creepy. They will be creepy, and mm -hmm. you know they're they're not there for what they said they were there for. Mm -hmm. For that trade that was going to happen. No. no. I have a question though. So if this guy tragedies, yes, he kept telling about you know oh he's tried four times to get through this nebula and five. This is mm -hmm. five times. This is all made up in her head. Like there was no real alien. No, correct. This is just a figment of her imagination. So Very I guess elaborate, this is just... elaborate figment. Of her yes, imagination. exactly. Yes. 
So I guess this is just sort of a composite of other aliens she's met that sort of her paranoia and her yeah. loneliness sort of created this. Or okay. other aliens she's assimilated in the past. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Okay. okay. What would you give this uh, one out of 10? I'm going to say seven. I'm going to give it a seven. Same Z's. Wow. Seven Z's. Yeah. We're both in the seven. Yeah. I'm a we solid give a seven, seven on this. to the seven episode. Oh, seven of nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. I, like I you know, I, I really think it's a good episode, but I missed having all our characters involved. I, yes. I really, as I've yes. said, that's a deal breaker for me. I would have gone higher because yeah. it is a real good Jerry's performance was great. Mm-hmm. I think the concept is really good and the character development for her is really good, but I just missed having uh, our, our whole cast involved in some way yeah, a little more. So, but I do, I did find it fun to see radiation slash zombie characters uh, talking. I mean, just yeah. play, playing radiation zombie Harry was super fun to be able to be like, mm-hmm. you'll never make it, you know, all this like stuff where we're teasing yeah. her and taunting her. So that was different for us too. Like we yeah. never got to, we didn't get yeah. to speak that way. So it was kind of nice, a little yeah. bit of variety. Yeah. And you're right. Whenever we did see scenes with some of our main characters, it was refreshing. It was like, Oh, they're still part of the show. You know, so know. Like, there they are. I know. So, I missed, yeah. I missed yeah. them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, good. What's uh, what's next week? Yeah. So next week, believe it or not, is our final episode of season four. We wrap up season four with hope and fear. Hope and fear is the final episode of fourth season. So that's our next episode that we will be recapping. Hope and fear. Yeah. Hope and fear. Alrighty. So thank you everyone for tuning in to our uh, recap and discussion of one and join us next week when Robbie and I discuss hope and fear. Patreon patrons, please stay tuned for your bonus material. Bye.